Welcome to the Moringa for Life podcast, Messages from Moringa. Seven years ago in 2013, I had a call with someone who was looking for Moringa. They wanted it to be from Africa and they had looked on the internet and across different uh, contacts they had in different African countries to find Moringa. And they found uh, 15 different samples, including ones that were available on the internet. And they had them all tested. And all of them, 100%, came back not fit for human consumption. And that was a startling uh, revelation for me. I wasn't one of the, I have to say, I wasn't one of the companies because they needed a large quantity. And I already had said to them, I, I cannot produce that amount. But I had this call and they were still looking for sources for Moringa. And I was alerted to the fact that so many Moringa producers were bringing Moringa into the country and marketing it. And it was very low quality and also contaminated. And the consumer did not know that. And because Moringa has been fairly new uh, to most people at that time. And so I realized that I needed to teach a course, create a course and teach a course to uh, educate people about Moringa, to educate growers and anybody interested in learning about Moringa, about what it takes to create a quality, premium, non-contaminated Moringa product. So that really began my very, very fast learning curve into how to do a course. And I was actually not fully prepared when I began, but I just had to just jump in because I felt the urgency just needed that kind of action. So that first year I was literally um, writing the course the night before I was presenting the course the next day. And a group of people came from an organization called Colorado Coalition for African Empowerment. I found out about them from a phone call of, from the director, Barbara Novick, asking a lot of kind of roundabout questions about Moringa and how it grows and the best way to grow it. And you know, those kinds of questions, I always wanna like really dig deep into you know, what's behind those, those questions. And so she told me what her organization was and what they were doing. And it happened to be, she is in Denver and the following week, I was scheduled to fly to Denver where my son and his new family was and is. And so I arranged to meet her and to do a little uh, PowerPoint for her organization, which we did. And from that, uh, four members of that organization came to the very first course. And today we have one of those members, Fatou Dumbia, and she has really been such a, an amazing inspiration uh, for developing countries. This is, I think would be a really good prototype for countries who are interested in becoming self-sustaining and supporting their, their local populations. You're gonna hear what her journey has been and how she has persevered through many challenging situations. Welcome, Fatu. It's been such a delight. We got a little bit caught up just before this call, and I'm just so pleased that that we were able to to schedule this. I know you're really busy being on the road, and you took time out uh, to be able to do this podcast for us. I really appreciate your time and especially your huge effort in the the work that you do with Moringa and will continue to do. I, I see you as a really main person in the forefront. Uh, just you know, staying the course with what you had originally dreamed of doing. So I'd like to welcome you and yeah, have you speak a bit about how you came to. Well, let's see. Let's start with your organization, Agile International, and kind of walk us through the timeline of of uh, what your journey has been, and we'll bring it up to them present time. Well, thank you very much, Mariko. It's, it's been a blessing to come across um, you and, um, and the work you do and the knowledge that you've been sharing with everybody, including myself. Um, well, Agile International started 
2013 um, with, um, uh, you know, the vision um, to help empower women and the vision of um, fighting food insecurity in Africa. Um, you know, when I went, um, I've been in the United States since the early 90s and during the recession in 2008, when I went back home to visit, I uh, was invited by the commander in chief of the police department who um, was tired of seeing young women um, in and out of jail, getting in trouble. And they have babies, they've been abandoned by their family because the family um, don't have the means to support them. So he asked me if I would be uh, interested in helping those young women. And I said, I will see what I can do. And when I got to, this was in, when I was in Mali uh, visiting during the recession. So when I came back to the United States, and that's when I founded um, Agile International, a nonprofit organization. But I didn't just uh, go from the talk to the founding of Agile. I tried first to help um, these young women through another small nonprofit organization that was already taking care of these women uh, in, in Mali. They had given me their flyer to see whether I can get the supporters to support them uh, in Mali. And I took the flyer from, from door to door, from company to company, explaining uh, the need of these young women, and nobody was believing me. Uh, so I decided I, the best way to actually um, get this going is to register uh, um, a legitimate organization, nonprofit organization that people are able to go search the name and then uh, believe it. And then that's when I registered Agile International. Great. Yeah. So then how did you go about connecting the women to this project and then if you could go into how you learned about moringa to go to helping this woman the it, it was the natural way of um, helping this these women and the most successful and most effective way of helping the women and the fastest way was through agriculture uh, in the developing countries the production of food is uh, done by women but women are, uh, you know, they're still stuck in poverty. And the reason they are stuck in poverty is because they don't own land. And culturally, some culture prohibit women from owning land. Um, and it's the finance also. Uh, so I decided if we could uh, get a, a good amount of land and make that land available to women, and help them grow the food that they like to grow when they want to grow it and they can take it to market, they would have more money, more way of sustaining themselves than actually working a day labor where they're not being paid uh, because that's what they're doing anyway. They're doing agriculture. Oh, so then we got the land. Um, it was not easy to get the land. It took, it took a lot of fight uh, to be able to get the title of the land going back and forth um, but we, we got the land and the women started growing the food like the local green. And I came across Barbara. I was introduced to Barbara, the president of the CCAE, who, uh, which is uh, Coalition Afri um, African, uh, what is it again, CCAE? CCAE. Yeah, Colorado Coalition, Coalition for African Empowerment. I know I have to walk myself through it. Yeah. I call it CCAE all the time too. <laughs> so Barbara, when I came across Barbara and Barbara said, have you ever heard of Moringa? I said, no, I don't know what Moringa is. And then she started explaining it to me. And then she started talking to, uh, to me about Mariko uh, coming to uh, present Moringa to us. And I started researching Moringa online and found out how important Moringa is and um, they and found out also that the older generation in Africa, my mom, 
and um, all of her friends, they all know about Moringa, but for some reason, I never heard of Moringa myself while I was in, in Africa until I got here. So after um, we got the presentation from you, Mar Mariko, and a lot of lecture from Barbara, and we went to California to take the class about how to grow Moringa and all of the benefits that Moringa has, that got me hooked to Moringa. So we made our uh, part of our program uh, of empowering these women growing Moringa because food is uh, malnutrition is a, a huge problem in Africa. In um, you know we have a uh, infant mortality in Africa that's also uh, very bad. If we can get the Moringa to be used um, by younger generation, especially young women, it would help them. Uh, with their pregnancies, it would help them also uh, with uh, uh, helping a lot of uh, their kids. So we made the moringa part of our program and started planting the moringa trees. Um, from 2013 up to now, we've planted thousands of moringa trees. Um, some of them were successful, some of them were not successful, but we still have tons of moringa trees in our farm. So a couple of weeks ago, my team on the ground went over uh, to, to check, to count some of the Moringa trees. We still have a minimum of 250 uh, great trees, and we continue to plant Moringa trees. Our challenge in growing the Moringa tree is water. Access to water is really hard. Um, and that's when we started trying to um, come up with other ways of um, raising funds to be able to support the program. And as a nonprofit, a small nonprofit organization, it's very difficult to, to, to raise funds. Um, then we, we did brainstorming. Uh, we decided maybe we could sell jewelry, maybe we could dye clothes, maybe we could do something else, and none of it worked. And I've thought about uh, going back to our the traditional way of carrying product, uh, which is we use our African print to make bags out of the African print and to carry uh, things around, um, you know, our uh, fabrics and those bags. And then so we did a few bags and a friend of mine bought one of it and took it to Costco and a woman saw it and followed my friend and said, I have to know where this bag came from. And then they came, they found me. And then she took it to another place again, and she was followed again. So I said, okay, maybe there is a market for this. And we started then making handbags, and those handbags that we've been selling to be able to support the program um, back home. So now, not only we have the agriculture, part of the program going, which we grow uh, the local grain and we plant the moringa trees, but we also have um, the handbags going to support the program. And they're beautiful. I just received the email from you and ordered two, uh, the two sizes that you have of, that have moringa pattern on them. They're called Moringa, so if anybody is interested, go to agileinternational.com. Oh, no, it's actually, we'll have it at the end of this podcast, uh, the link to the uh, Jima Jamba website where mm -hmm. they can order that and support your project. Um, I had a question about those handbags. Each one's so beautiful. Do the pr patterns or prints have a cultural significance? Yes. Absolutely. And I'll tell you a little bit about um, uh, the Jimmy Jama part. Jimmy Jama, which uh, is spelled as the D J I M I D J A M A. The D is a silent, so we call it Jimmy Jama. Um, we actually branded the purses to Jimmy Jama. Jimmy Jama is a tree in Africa that's very resilient. And when there are bad weather, or no, whether it's wind or water, so the buildings can go, uh, things will fly. Um, so many things, um, you, it, this tree just doesn't break. It's very resilient. So we decided to name uh, the branded 
handbags after that because women have a sacred relationship with this tree uh, in Africa. So when there's anything, they get they get together, they gather under the tree and they confide themselves to the tree. And we have a song to go with it. Um, so uh, every woman in, in Mali, West Africa, know about Jimmy Jama tree and it's resilient, um, persistence to dif difficulties and stuff. So we decided to create uh, a company called Jimmy Jama and that's dedicated to connecting authentic African products to the global market, to the local and global market. Because we said, if these handbags are successful, there are tons of other things that Africans make. If those things can have access to the market, then more Africans would have more income. So that's when we came up with the Jimmy Jama Marketplace. Beautiful. Wow. So, uh, and the specific pa uh, print uh, designs, do they have a cultural meaning? Yes. So all of our uh, design have a cultural meaning. The one that you bought, um, the, that's Moringa. And that tree, you will see the Moringa tree lives in there. And of course, we, you know, we eat Moringa. We put Moringa in everything. We use it like a tea. And so it is just how important Moringa is in our lives. Um, like I said, our older, the, the older generation loves Moringa. In fact, some people, um, Moringa is used in Senegal. And Senegal and Mali are very, very, are the same people. Um, so in Senegal, they call Moringa never die, uh, never die, which means never die. Um, and in, in, in Mali, they use Moringa a lot in the couscous. Um, they use it also in, in the tea. So that, that's the, the food, the importance of the food, uh, you know, that's the significance of uh, that pattern. But we have another one called um, uh, dashiki. So the dashiki, which is really popular um, in many African countries, but the origin of dashiki is Mali. And dashiki is a, a mask design that the community, there is a community in Mali that's called the Dugon. And the Dugon population, they wear the dashiki mask to celebrate um, every 50 years, the coming together of a series A and series B. Um, so, you know, the star series A and series B, the people, NASA just found out uh, about, you know, not too long ago, um, the series and its companion star that was not visible uh, on the naked eye. But the people in Mali knew that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and they celebrated it. So that one pattern called the dashiki is the significance of that is the celebration of the stars coming together every 50 years. And so there are tons of it, every single one of them. So there are tons of them. So there's another one um, that's called um, uh, Debeni Native. Debeni Native is like a woven and that is culturally, that's how we welcome people. We make, um, we weave, you know, the straw and it is used as like a, 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 a blank, um, it's, not a, it's not a carpet, but it's just something that you put on the ground and it's beautiful. You sit on it and you invite people when people want to eat, that's where they sit and eat or they, they just want to sit around and, and um, visit, that's where they sit on it. It's used um, in Africa, especially in West Africa. Uh, it's been, people have been using it before I was born and I'm more than 50 years old. Um, <clears throat> and it's been used here every day. So that pattern is very old and it's, it's very, you know, it's, it's, it's very, um, sacred in a way very very loved and uh it comes to us uh, to, to us naturally we just it's just part of our lives so we have a ton, tons of it all of our design have a significance is that written up in the description 
what you just described? You're right. So we still write because uh, the, the website just got launched. We haven't had a chance to write every single significance of every single of our design. That's going to be a blog post that we'll be, we'll be writing. Every post would have its own story about why we have this design. It's really beautiful. It's just, I mean, each one, I, I, I just looking through all of the different designs and Moringa was actually the last one in on the list. So I looked at all of them and then I came to Moringa that, oh, of course, that's the one I'm going to buy. Um, <laughs> but each one, as I looked at the patterns, it just drew me in and I had the idea that it must have some cultural significance and it must have some deep meaning. And I, just by looking at it, the pattern and the colors made me feel that way so it's it's really good to know that's why i had to ask because i just had that feeling it has to have some meaning because that's not a random pattern you know it's certainly not a, a you know a, um, technological pattern as you see that there's just like deep thought and feeling in in each one very different than the next right so be, I'll look forward to that because that's really great information, how people can really connect to that um, and be able to support your project. Uh, but the information, just a couple that you shared, it really is a way for us to see how the heart of the Mali people and the African women are affecting us in our lives wherever we are in the world and the influence that uh, Africa has on especially this culture in the United States, people who are here from Africa and you see the, the, the long-standing connection to their roots really. And, um, and I always enjoy speaking to people who are from Africa, modern Africa today. Uh, we've had also from um, CCAE, um, um, Carol Davis and she brought David uh, for these are from their organization is in Uganda and whenever he would speak and, and is, you too Fatu when when Africans speak there is something I just like the heart of Africa just comes out <laughs> I don't know how to I always feel this this deep heart earth resonance with with the way that you speak with the passion that's there that's and, and it's just so far, all the Africans who I have spoken about and people who aren't from Africa today, I get that feeling from them. So it's it's been amazing to, to have this contact and now to see the ways that we can support what's going on in Mali and other countries. So Senegal is where um, I first heard about Moringa from from an organization who was was there and they really did bring this into our our awareness in the west in the mid 1990s and um, now to know that it's still you know being produced there and a couple of other students who have come through their projects were in um, Senegal so I wanted to connect you with those other students I don't know that you are familiar with um, that Penn State University has a Moringa project and their engineering students go to Senegal and uh, Gambia. And there may be others that they've started as well. Uh, so it would be good to connect you, you know, the students through other courses. Another in, in Guinea, the last course we did was somebody uh, who came through and her, she's from, well, she came to us from South Africa, but her project, she realized she wanted to have in her home country, which is Guinea. And so I do want to connect uh, the Moringa people who I know who are my students in the countries where they're working so they can collaborate. That would be, and Miriama is, is uh, she's so inspirational as well. She was actually recovering from uh, a very deep illness and she still, you know, was, you know, made it to our course. And, and so it, it's just inspirational when I um, speak to all my different students and what they're doing. And I haven't spoken to her since she um, left and went back because she was connecting quite a few different African countries. There were 38 members in her organization. So I want to make sure to, to connect uh, you to them as well. 
And so, talk a, yeah, so talk a, yeah, talk a little bit about what keeps you on this journey. What, because it's been a lot of years and you've gone through a lot of different things. Uh, what motivates you and keeps you going? You know, um, like you said uh, at the beginning of your forecast, that um, you got a call uh, from some people who are looking for um, moringa made in Africa, or was it a, a, some product made in Africa? But were they, they the moringa that they found was not um, was not of a good quality, and you know you you just got inspired by um that phone call and that you wanted to produce um a better quality quality of moringa but made in africa is that is that um you know at the beginning of the of this talk isn't that something like that that you said well what i was explaining was uh my motivation was that so much contaminated moringa was coming into the country because producers were really not conscientious about um, how they were producing it. And the Moringa customer in the United States, because it was new to them, they didn't know what quality Moringa should taste like or look like or smell. You know, they didn't know. So they were buying this product and taking it, consuming it. And my fear was that somebody would become injured by the some contaminated Moringa. And that would be how most people would hear about Moringa. So it, mm -hmm. it motivated me to, to create this course so that I could reach producers and you know, growers, manufacturers, importers of, of the Moringa and just local customers. I mean, many of my own customers have come through the course. And I don't know if you recall, Joy was in your course and that was mm -hmm. the very first course. Mm -hmm. She was, Joy was yeah, one of my students. And one of my mm -hmm. customers, and she came to that season, she came to all the courses and she, the next season she came to all the courses. And when I've had webinars now recently, she comes to the webinars whenever she can. She's a, and she's a customer. She's mm -hmm. never going to grow Moringa. She's retired. And uh, she, I think went back to work now, but so it's to educate people about what Moringa should be like. And I was really fortunate to have somebody come through the course she is now the largest distributor of Moringa in the United States. And I'll put you Yay. in contact with her as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, because she brings in Moringa, but she's, it's raised the bar for her. She has the things tested. She looks at the soil. I mean, she's really using those, uh, those principles that we teach in the course to determine who, whose product she carries. And so that has made a really big difference in all of these um, producers who are wanting to come into this market. So it raised the bar. So my intent uh, was achieved by that. And to, to know that that information getting to African countries needs to happen so that not only is it the way that, the, that Moringa would be grown and processed in their own country for the highest amount of uptick of the vitamins and minerals, the, you know, the benefit for the local people, but to also see in what way they can create economies with it. And another member of CCAE, Roberta Pippet, I've done a podcast with her and her project, um, and it's really inspiring. I really encourage you to listen to hers uh, and what she has gone through and where she is now with it is really taking it to a really high level. The challenge we have now, of course, this, this year is that, you know, so much of the export from these countries is prohibited or really delayed. And so it's very difficult to get the product into other markets besides local markets, but sending it between African countries would still be good. You know, there is such a huge market within Africa itself. I always encourage people to, you know, feed their, their own people first before, you know, sending it out to, to the Western or developed countries. That is, we have this kind of market uh, mentality that, you know, you want to first export and that's how you make money. Well, I want to change that and say, take care of your people first. And that is exactly what you're doing. Empower your people, get them to be, you know, self-sustaining and, and, and healthy and in that way they are going to be better equipped and able to 
better negotiate, you know, things and, and get market prices for things and actually, you know, be in the world market as, you know, an equal standing partner. Uh, so much of, of, of course, from this country, we've gone to a lot of other countries and we just take all the resources and leave, you know, the environment devastated and people are still in poverty. We haven't helped, in fact, probably done more damage. So I want us to turn that uh, marketing mentality of, you know, around and really have people who grow Moringa feed their people first, get your people healthy and vibrant with that. And then look to see, you know, your neighbor, what's the next, you know, maybe the next village, like with Roberta, when they, mm-hmm. they couldn't bring their product out, uh, she just started, you know, growing Moringa and pr- providing Moringa for neighboring villages and it just spread more locally and, and she's partnered with a local organization. And so all of that came because of not being able to, to send it out of the country. It was actually better. And I think in the long run to use that as the model to to really empower local economies uh, and, the, and and let those resources, especially the resource of food and the the you know nutrient from the soil, feed those people right right where you're standing, right where you're working, and right where you're growing food should go to you first. And um, so I, I really applaud you in that effort. You're doing exactly that. And at and the same time. I'm sorry, I'm really impressed with your comment about um, the market mentality part. That's really one of the best, uh, one of the strongest core of uh, the program that uh, we are we are creating here about Jimmy Jama. Um, many people don't know this, so I'm impressed, and I take my heart off for you um, about that area. A lot of the things, uh, commerce and businesses, trade that take place on um on the continent of Africa is the export. So a lot of the things are Africans import from you know things into Africa, and a lot of those things shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be imported. They they should be able to make those things on the continent of Africa itself, especially when it comes to food. You know, so when it comes to food, locally produced food and can be consumed locally is, has more benefit to the local people than trying to export food. And, and then, um, we, with uh, the creation, the launch of Jimmy Jama, that's exactly what we're trying to do, to say the local market is here for the local people. And although that local market also is accessible to, to, the, global pe- to the global people everywhere, um, if locally, um, especially with technology now, and if people are able to sell their product on the market and, and they're able to access other people, they're connected to each other. And the economy can grow from there. And they say the best knowledge, you know, in Africa, that's the African saying that the best knowledge is self-knowledge. And then the self-knowledge, is, you, you know, it's best to, uh, say that you know yourself, if you know where your food is coming from, if you know what you are wearing uh, is coming from, um, and if you actually know yourself, you know your culture, and you can find your path easier. Uh, so this uh, local market uh, that you're helping us, getting us connected to each other is really um it's it's a very a very important part of this pro this project, and again, what keeps me going in this one is exactly that the access to market to the um, African people being able to access uh, not only the local market but also the global market, and some of the other consumers who are there who want authentically made African goods but they don't know where to find it. Uh, it's hard for them to get it, so they can go to Jimmy Jama and say, okay, I want something from Africa and I want it to be automa- I want it to be authentic. Then they can find it on, on, on Jimmy Jama's site. So that's our vision. We're not there yet, but that's our vision. I see. So that would be kind of like a, a air traffic controller for what comes out of Africa and specific countries could join in and mm-hmm. bring their product through Jimmy Jama into the global markets. I think it's a brilliant, yep. brilliant uh, way to, to really look at how collaboration should 
um, function uh, across countries. And I mean, Africa is just such a huge uh, place of, of natural resources. And I already see so much of it being, you know, taken out of Africa and, and brought into other, other countries for the benefit of other people and not the African people. And, you know, if that can get turned around in Africa, I, I, you know, can really come into its own standing, all these African countries, and each one a little bit different in their development and, and access to technology, access also to just natural resources, the infrastructure, you know, to be developed for within their own country. And some of that infrastructure is created and paid for by other countries in order to, for them to get those resources out of Africa, out of those African countries. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, and if so, if the local people are standing up and saying, no, this is for African people, this is for my own village, this is for my own people, my own country first, that will turn the tide and, and really create that as the, the normal way of doing business in Africa. And it should not be that, you know, the rich countries come in and take advantage of the poor countries. It just has to change. And it is with projects like yours and there's many others and i look at the just the learning of students who have come representing different countries in africa each one with different challenges uh, but still united by being uh, a similar cultures and uh, some are similar some are very different from each other but they all share that landmass, that connectedness through the land that they live on the land of all their ancestors before them so I really look forward to, to see what part I can play in that as well. And especially, I, uh, you know, connecting my students. But also because of technology, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about the, the trees and why they died and uh, how I could participate in looking into what are the conditions or what are the things that might have been overlooked or you might not know of to make the moringa that you plant there be able to survive. So let's, you know, Maruka, that may be, um, go ahead and finish your idea because that's a, an interesting point you just, uh, you just brought up. Um, you were about to say something. I have done virtual um, courses with people uh, who either attempting to come to my course or are not able to come. And we are developing an online course right now as we speak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And that will be available sometime after the first of the year, possibly February. And it will allow more and more people to be able to get this information that is really critical for creating the best premium uh, Moringa that they can. And there's mm -hmm. things that just in the you know, locations and you know, where, where your, your prevailing wind is and what your seasons are, what your elevations and stuff. There's, there's a lot of information that is really practical that I can easily get, you know, offer. And it could mean a big difference between, you know, where you plant and, and on a piece of land. It's, it's one of the pieces now, because you came through the very first course, we didn't have this part yet because I've done it as a consultant for people who want to have a Moringa project and um, so I can send that to you it's a Moringa it's a worksheet it's a land worksheet mm -hmm. and then you mm -hmm. look at you you plot out all of uh, the parameters of your parcel your piece of land with some elevation mm -hmm. where the roads are where what's neighboring to that or, you know if there's any contamination of any chemical being used so, you know, mm -hmm. since you know uh, what your water, you know, source is, if it's clean or contaminated, if there's water testing, you know, where your wells are, all of those kinds of things. It goes into also your budget and your one year, five year plan uh, as a business mm -hmm. plan. So mm -hmm. I have a business degree wow. and I've done a lot of consulting for big corporations and I can just focus all of that on, you know, every small farm to make sure that, you know, you're using really basic information that we, that, you know, you might know, not know of. Um, and oh, also um, really simple business um, strategies that uh, focuses on how business, the business model should be really based mm -hmm. on keeping things local. And we're seeing it now with, you know, this mm -hmm. COVID-19, uh, it is forcing people to really look at what is being produced locally especially food because we really mm -hmm. saw how vulnerable 
in this country we were when we didn't know where food was coming people panicked you know mm-hmm. and and you know yeah. we got to experience what many countries have food insecurity and it was such a shocking experience for so many people and they all they could do is hoard food because they they just didn't know mm-hmm. you know and, and it's like that's normal for so many countries and across africa as well and mm-hmm. also we you know so many african countries have dealt with um pandemics within their country and virus outbreaks of some type like with ebola so they're more equipped to deal with it uh than than us who have you know People just don't know what to do. They don't know how to think and behave. They don't know how to share. They, you know, it's like the the world ends tomorrow because they can't get their regular, you know, whatever. And and so we <laughs> see the they're living really in a privileged society. But as soon as there's the lack of something or the threat of something, people don't know what to do. And Africans have had to deal with that so much. So they're prepared and they know how to work together. They know how to pool resources and make it through. So we have that as a very good guide uh, for us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you look to see and that that, that uh, through this, the statistics alone show that that uh, African countries are having a much easier time dealing with this than than other countries because they've, they've yes. just been used to it. Yeah. Right. And then the plant, you know, the plant that we, that the African eat, um, like said, um, with our way of of life, this is where the win-win comes from. This is where the collaboration is important, and uh, it's, you know some things that the the West, Western countries are not equipped to to do um, that they, they can learn from the African countries, um, especially the people. One of the good things about uh, the village the villages is they actually grow what they eat. You know. They grow what they eat. Um, and when I was growing up, we actually made, in fact, we have a video called, we, we use what we make. So anything that we, we, we use, we used to make them. Um, so I'm, I'm not saying that we could um, really return to that, but it would be great if we could, in terms of a food, if we can actually um, grow most of the food that we eat. You know, it would be interesting to do an audit of food and and to look and see what amount what foods are imported and what foods are produced and then just look at that as a potential list of things you could start to like produce those things and make them available and and make people aware that those things are coming you know locally if they might be things that people haven't um, grown or produced uh, you know themselves, but can mm-hmm. that that you can start to replace those imported products, which usually are at a high price, right? And paying mm-hmm. for all of the you know whoever made it and then transporting it, and see if that list could just become you know your to do list or a, a, mm-hmm. a dream a wish list of the you know the next you know two or five or ten things to be able to produce and expand that but you having that that foundation that you're making it's just the most important thing before expanding out that you really have everything laid out and set up and and the the community uh, working together and you had mentioned that you know Malians are united you know uh, it was an interesting statement when we uh, spoke before that we don't really get correct information about what's happening Mm -hmm. in a lot of African countries and for Mali that it's united people. And so it is easier to connect and to, to collaborate because people do mm-hmm. want to get up and you know start their day and be successful. And they have that interest, that passion and uh, just needing the resource or the direction and, and having a, a foundation, which is what you're doing, setting that foundation for them. Um, and then people yes. can duplicate that, right? And their communities and mm-hmm. other African countries. This is amazing, Mariko. We are, I'm, I'm very, I, you said some, a lot of incredible good point here today that I'm, I'm excited. Um, the collaboration, uh, uh, the, the people, the African people that come to your program, connecting us to those programs, especially uh, the Penn State uh, University program, and um, you yourself being part of uh, um, the really saving 
the sacred, the very special, very nutritious uh, plant and trees in, in Africa. So because we actually are planting, we're going around to see what, uh, what are the trees are that are rare now, that are disappearing now. So we've been planting those trees on our farm. And so, uh, so for you to be part of that would be fantastic. And Moringa itself and can be part of so many other things. And there are so many other trees in, in Africa too, especially in Mali, um, that have a, have a great benefit. Um, get sharing those, those kind of trees with you and also learning from you uh, the worksheet that you talked about, uh, about pl planting the tree, um, being able to have all of the information uh, on the ground before you, we plant the tree uh, to increase the success, our chances of succeeding, um, or the, our chances of those trees surviving would be excellent. So collaboration, I think collaboration is gonna really, it's gonna be very, very helpful like you said, and I'm excited. I can't wait um, for us to get started on some programs. Yeah, it's been you know, my experience of you too. The little time that we mm -hmm. had together, the whole time you were like, okay, what's next? Let's do, let's go, let's do this, let's do that. And so you're still doing that. It's so, this is great, this is so great. So yeah, this is one of the purposes of the podcast that I've had is to connect with my students and to find out what they're doing and for them to find out where we are here with Moringa and what I'm doing and in what way I can support your project and especially connecting you with, with other students who are working in the same areas. No need to reinvent the wheel, uh, you know, just to connect and know that you have that same basic foundation of that Moringa education with me. And, mm -hmm. and then look to see where we go from here because that is an exciting time there's a lot of things to work on and there's a lot of amazing things happening because we are forced to, to face the things in our lives and in our world that we haven't been and, mm -hmm. and really look to see how to work together to collaborate. It is the way that human beings have survived for centuries. You know, we mm -hmm. have had, you know, war and fighting and all that, but who survives are the ones who have worked together and mm -hmm. we're at that place again, repeating history where you survive when you can help each other and benefit from each other. So I really yep. look forward to that and applaud your, your work and your dedication to this. Um, and I wonder, I, I was in Denver in September and I was just on a really short trip. I had um, missed my older son my grandson's birthday in april and so the second grandson i got to his in september but i only had a few days the next time i go yeah, yeah. No, the next time i go will sometime be next year my son who's there in denver he's in westminster he and his family oh. will, yeah he is and his family will be coming here for about two months and we'll be mm -hmm. working on moringa for life things and and uh, I'll, we'll see what kinds of work to collaborate on. Uh, and then the next time I'm in Denver, I would love to get together with, with CCAE again and see where everyone is and, and move everything forward. But if we can't be face-to-face, -face, we certainly can use technology and I'm getting better at it. <laughs> oh, this um, is awesome. Yeah. This and is we, so good, Mariko. Oh, there's so many things that we can share. Um, if we can communicate, regularly and um, when i say regularly i mean even if it's a long maybe once every two months once every three months um, maybe four times a year something like that there's so much to share and uh, it's like if you can we can get the the information um it's before you there are some things that you're like well i wish i had known this while i was doing this so we just don't want to miss that opportunity because there's so much um, in, in terms of what Moringa can be uh, part of in our lives. That's, that's a really good point. And I think that should be something that I set up. And I will mention that to, uh, to my son and my daughter who are organizing. Like everything Moringa is a file that I have, that all the ideas and things that I want to accomplish in my life, I put it there and mm -hmm. they set, they take it and they organize it and they, and so this will be another one. I'm going to put that there because I do feel that 
it's really important to stay connected. And I have so many people coming through me who know me over the last you know, 22 years of working on this. Mm-hmm. And the, the role that I need to play in this is to connect people and to have a, a format and a location or a time that we can regularly connect and send people to, you know, like a every three months or like what you said, we can come up with what that is and make that be a regular thing and let that grow by itself. And mm-hmm. that way we, we can help each other across, you know, the continents. And, mm-hmm. and like you said, you know, I wish I knew that when I was doing that, right. It's always been my, mm-hmm. my, you know, motivation is trying like even that first course I, I started before I was ready. Cause I just had to, I had to get this information out and get Mm -hmm. it to people and this year is the first year since then that we haven't done an in-person course and that has Mm -hmm. motivated us to do the online and now with the online i'll be able to reach so many more people and and stay connected especially to my students who are having projects all over the world and they're just going out and keeping that light going bright uh, in the countries where they're working and and it's really amazing when you work with moringa it, it motivates you you stay connected to this plant and it communicates mm-hmm. to you and it it inspires you and when you're down it encourages you and holds you and cradles you until you can get up and go again you know it's been my experience with moringa so i invite the mm-hmm. listeners today to see how it is that they came about coming to this podcast and listening to us speak about this amazing project with Patu and the Agile International and to see what is your role as the listener to see what journey Moringa has in store for you to really look to see in what way you can participate if it's going and getting a handbag and learning about the beautiful patterns of these women and their culture is one way and there may be more and look to see what it is that Moringa asks of you in this journey. So Fatu, I thank you for taking this time and I uh, would like to know any last thoughts, anything you would like to uh, express to our listeners? You know, I'm, I'm just very grateful and excited for the next step. I uh, wanna hear um, uh, about all of your students. Um, so being able to organize those who, um, you know, from time to time meeting, whether it's a conference, online conference, Zoom conference, whatever, would be fantastic. I look forward to that. Great. Thank you so much, listeners. Until we meet again.